We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the podcast. So much going on. Oh, nuts. I left my notes over there. Hang on. I'll be right back. Just when I think I got it all together. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's been uh, an exciting and eventful time away. Um, so uh, let's just start off by talking about uh, the, the music that we're going to be listening to today. This is the band Oxbow. Now, what the hell's Oxbow, you ask? Good question. Okay, so Oxbow is uh, this band. Uh, let's back up. So I was a huge jellyfish fan in college. Not of the uh, spineless man, uh, man, man of war variety. No, no, the band Jellyfish. Uh, and, and I've played their music on the podcast before. But uh, what happened with Jellyfish was their drummer got hurt or something. Uh, not drummer. Uh, the drummer's the lead singer. Uh, they got, their guitarist got hurt. And so they are actually Bay Area dudes. And somehow we're friends. Oh, I guess they were friends with a guy that I was going to college with. And um, they recruited him into the band. And it was weird because I would see this guy around college and I would be like, that dude looks really familiar because I had seen him on stage with Jellyfish, you know, probably a month before. And so I got to talking to him and he... Um, he told me about this band that he was in. And of course, he was in like 10 different bands, but he was in this band, Oxbow. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And so I went down to wherever and I bought the album. The album is actually, <laughs> this album. So obviously you're listening to this now and going, this does not sound anything like Jellyfish. You know, the Jellyfish is very melodic, Beatles-esque sound. And then there's this. Uh, so, uh, but the album cover is great. They actually put out a bunch of albums, but, uh, this is from the album titled King of the Jews, and it's a picture of Sammy Davis Jr. on the cover, and for those of you who remember Sammy Davis Jr., he was Jewish, uh, and he was, it was so weird that he was, like, black and Jewish, because that's super rare. Because most people don't convert to Judaism. They are born into it. And so the idea that you know, this black guy would convert to Judaism, uh, I guess people thought was weird. Anyway, it was the 80s, 70s. I don't know when he converted. doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, I got the album home expecting something like Jellyfish. And then I put this. I get this noise rock. And by the way, I don't know how much of this I can stand. Uh, we're going to try and have this in the background as long as we can, uh, but who knows? It may just wind up being too much. Let's listen to a little bit. Hey, 
One, the one thing about this album that was interesting, um, uh, Nico Bolas, that was the, uh, the guy who was in this band, who was in uh, Jellyfish. And the interesting thing about this band, at least the way he tried to sell it to me, was it's very math rock, you know, a lot of odd time signatures, a lot of crazy syncopations and whatnot. And you can hear it, like here. And that clapping rhythm, that actually goes through the entire album, which is kind of cool. But in, in the end, you know, it's just loud and noisy and weird and screechy. And so, yeah, no wonder they didn't make it. There was another uh, album that they had on iTunes uh, that was, uh, you know, based on that guy, not based, but named after that dude, uh, Frank Chu, I think his name was, who used to uh, stand around Fourth uh, and Market with a sign that said, like, 12 Galaxies, and he'd be just out there all day. So the album's called 12 Galaxies. It's even crappier. No, I don't want to say crappier, but it's it's... It, the production value is not as good as this, and so it sounds like somebody recorded this with re acoustic guitars in somebody's bedroom, which they probably did. I hate to say it, but I'm kind of getting into this part. So now, you may notice, here's the clapping again. Um, I, I actually kind of am getting into it, um, but, uh, the the you may notice that I I will probably be taking a lot of uh, breaks during this podcast because I have a new fun ailment uh, a mystery ailment uh, that we don't know what it is I, I'm going to the doctor on Monday to figure it hopefully figure it out what I think it is is allergies but this causes my throat to close up and it makes it much more difficult to. Uh, swallow uh and so it, it saliva just i mean look i have the saliva of 10 men right like when i got braces he was like damn dude you got a lot of saliva and i'm like yeah i'm drowning over here in my own spit which is kind of what it's like all the time with this now but it is interesting because the allergy seems to be triggered by something in the air something in the way you move anyway Oh, God. Now I'm going to choke again. Uh, probably just because um, my singing is terrible. So, um, yes, I will be taking a lot of breaks to not drown. That was actually not a not drowning break. That was a uh, the levels were too hot break. Anyway, um... So, uh, oh, speaking of allergies, one of the craziest, so all these dating sites now, there's a billion of them, right? And why not, right? We're all trying to find love. We're all trying to find happiness. So uh, the latest, I'm taking off my sweatshirt. Isn't that sexy? All right, sexy time, everybody. So um, the, the latest craziest site uh, that I saw was um, uh, Singles with Food Allergies. So, not just allergies, food allergies. Now, look, just because you have the same food allergy as someone is no guarantee that you will get along. I mean, how, how is that date gonna go? So, you're, um, you're allergic to shellfish too, huh? Yeah. 
Cool. Didn't that suck? Yeah? You got your EpiPen on you? Yeah. Cool, me too. I don't go anywhere without it. Yeah. I mean, what are you, you going to talk about? I guess it's the idea of, well, if I'm dating somebody with a food allergy, they can relate and, uh, you know, with that will, you know, because you don't want somebody who's like, food allergies? Ew, gross! That's a little bit of uh, Kristen Wiig's target lady. Ew, it's a match! Uh, which is just fun to do. Okay, so, uh, in no particular order, um, oh, so, uh, my, uh, latest creative venture, uh, and I, I had this discussion with people at work the other day about bucket lists, and, you know, I was surrounded by a bunch of 20-somethings, and they were talking about their, all their bucket lists, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything on my bucket list anymore. I've kind of either have done it or have tried to do it. But I've never been really that guy that had a bucket list. You know, you'll you talk about New Year's resolutions, same idea, right? Like I, ne I never had that, you know, oh, I've got to do this or I got to stop doing this or anything. Choke break. Okay, so uh, I, the one thing I, I do want to do is I want to make a video game or a computer game. And so I started on this uh, game with the Unity programming engine uh, because obviously I'm not going to build my own physics system from scratch. And uh, I tried to explain the game to somebody the other day and they just looked at me like I was crazy. So uh, I'm not going to explain it here. I'm actually just going to send a note out to all my friends saying like when it's done and it'll be done fairly soon. Uh, I think it's going to be called Evade unless there's um, another game out there. Gosh, I haven't checked if there's another game out there. Name that. Mm. So uh, look for that coming soon. <laughs> Um, okay. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, uh, oh, we're going to talk more about work uh, in a minute. Um, oh, of course, you know, that's one of the things I realized with all the... I didn't realize it at the time, but because they're all so young, of course they still have a bucket list. They got tons of things they haven't done. Like me, you know, I'm an old married dude. I've done it all. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about work in a minute. Uh, oh, so uh, How I Met Your Mother, the finale. The show has been on the air for nine years. Crazy, right? And the one thing about that show that was always amazing was how they were dedicated to never letting anything go. Like you would see, you know, a blue French horn and they'd say, and and the, the narrator would say, well, but that's a different story. We'll get to that later. And sure enough, like, six episodes later, they talk to you about the Blue French Horn. Like, they never let anything go. And it really made you think, like, they had a plan. They knew what they were doing. Now, we're gonna suppose that. Because if they did have a plan, and they did know what they were doing, they're out of their fucking mind. Because, and I'm gonna ruin, not ruin, I'm gonna tell you, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you the last episode, right? Because this whole time, this whole nine years has been, 
Who's the mother? Where's the mother? When is he gonna meet? You know, how's he gonna meet her? All this stuff. So the last episode is they finally get married, right? Great, great way to end it. Except for the fact, in the last episode, they kill her. Yeah, she gets cancer and dies uh, when the kids are like 10. Now, a couple of problems here. One, through the entire run of the show, the kids are like rolling their eyes at the stories their dad is telling them. Um, if my dad was telling me about my mom who died when I was 10, I would be riveted. I would be like, tell me everything. I'm dying to know. I barely knew this woman. Please, the woman who gave me life, tell me all about her. Nope, not these kids. They're like, no, this again. But what's crazy, too, is the last episode is him, Ted, the main character, hooking up with Robin, who he had this on-again, off-again relationship with. Now, one of the interesting things that I read online was that this show was actually only supposed to run five years. That was the original plan. But because it was such a big hit, CBS convinced the people who made the show to extend it, which totally fucked up their timeline because... Ted had been dating all these other women after he was dating Robin, and it really, like, everybody just stopped caring about that relationship. And so to come back at the end of the nine years and revisit it and say, hey, you know, they're together, finally! And everybody's like, I don't care! Neat! But the biggest thing is, this show is called How I Met Your Mother, not how your mother died, right? Like, it's how I met your mother. So, the, I mean, when have you ever, A, this is a comedy. B, when have you ever seen a comedy where the titular <laughs> character dies? I mean, this broad is like the old yeller of sitcoms, right? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that have been a better ending? Like, the mom gets rabies and Ted has to take her out back and shoot her in the head while the kids cry? Sure! It's just as upbeat as the one they chose. Anyway, it's still a good sitcom. I mean, the jokes are solid. I mean, it's 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 not like Lost, where the only thing that was interesting about it were the mysteries. No, 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 it's still a solid show. Just know that, you know, if you do watch it, that last episode is like, fuck you. Okay, so from the corrections and omissions department, um, uh, last time I was talking about how I recorded Alex Borstein, and I called her Bornstein the entire time. But no, her name is actually Alex Borstein, and uh, I should know that. Uh, let's see, in other uh, things, I watched The Lone Ranger. That sucked. Uh, don't see that. Um, I, w I had the advice of seeing it. Uh, somebody told me, oh, the very beginning of the movie and the very end of the movie. So, like, the first and last, like, 20 minutes of the movie... Yeah, that's a good way to see it. It's it's a very it's very strange. First of all, it's the Lone Ranger origin story, which is not something I needed. Uh, but uh, it, and then of course Johnny Depp 
as a as an Indian is weird. And then he's got this dead crow on his head that he's constantly like feeding peanuts to. Uh, it's just it's so dumb. Uh, so don't see that. Uh, I did see 20 Feet from Stardom, which got nominated for Academy Award. That's really good. Uh, I already told you about Megamind. Uh, oh, and uh, Piranha. Yeah, I just saw that. That movie is bonkers. It's basically a real, real campy version of Jaws. Except, you know, instead of a killer shark, it's killer Piranha. And But it has a surprisingly good cast. Like Richard Dreyfus from Jaws makes a cameo uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future is in it uh, Adam Scott from Parks and Rec Paul Shear uh, uh, who what's that Elizabeth Shue from Leaving Las Vegas where Nicolas Cage got a nominated for that I mean it, it's amazingly well cast for this ridiculous D level movie oh one thing I forgot to mention about the Lone Ranger um, I saw uh, you know I, I popped in the the DVD and uh, I was I you know going through the menu system I always look to see if there's bonus material or whatnot and then I saw at the beginning they had like uh, what language do you want it in and one of them was English assisted services so I was like what the hell is this so what what it is is uh it's a dude describing everything. And I joked about this a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, assisted services for like porn. But they do this and it's it is insanely detailed. And and it's not like a guy just like describing it. He's clearly written this thing out and he's reading it. And he's, you know, and and it's not just the movie either. It's everything. Like the, you know, the the Disney logo opening where like, you know, you see, you know, sort of a, a little city with a train going through it and it pulls back over a bridge and then we come back to that famous Disney castle and then like the sparkle arc goes over it. Like I'm not doing as good of a job as that guy does it. And, and yet he's describing it in this intricate detail. And I'm just like, can't you just say, hey, it's the Disney logo. Hey guy. Hey, you know the thing that no one gives a shit about and usually fast forwards through? Yeah, that thing, you're, most people are not watching that right now. You're the only idiot who's watching it and not watching it because you're blind and I have to tell you about it. So I had this idea the other day uh, for married people uh, who want to spice up their sex life but don't want to cheat on each other. So what if... You did, like, an Eyes Wide Shut style swingers party where you have sex with your spouse. Now, hang on a second. Stick with me. So, the idea is you get an invitation in the mail. Tells you, you know, you've been invited to this ball and you have to wear a mask. Um, and I guess when you sign up, no, 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 they send you the mask. That's what they do. So they send you the mask and in the invitation, they're like, you've been invited 
uh, to come to this thing. So, and the person you are looking for will be wearing this mask. And they show you a little picture of the mask that they've sent your spouse. Then what you have to do is when you go, you have to, in order to really like sell this, you have to go, but you need like a good day before of not seeing your spouse and doing as much as humanly possible to change your appearance. Because, you know, one of the things that's, that's weird about, you know, being with the same person for so long is there's really no like experimentation. There's no like, let's try something new because you know, you've done it already, right? Like there's none of the, there's no adventure to it. It's like, look, I, we tried it. I know she didn't like it. So, and, and there's also like this fear of, um, you know, of just caring too much about what the other person thinks. It's like, look, if I want to do this, you know, as long as they don't hate it, maybe, maybe I can do it, you know? But if I was with a stranger, maybe I just wouldn't care so much and I'd just do it. But anyway, so then, you know, you've got the mask on and you gotta, you gotta really sell it too. You gotta change your voice, you gotta dye your hair, you gotta shave your head, you gotta do as much as you can to look different. And you gotta and you gotta try different things. I mean, you really gotta you gotta sell it, man. Um, but of course, you know, there's no like you'd still have that thought in your head of like, oh yeah, this is the person that I'm with all the time. You know, I don't know if there's any way you would ever not have that thought in your head. And then of course, if you wound up fucking one of the wrong people, then that would just ruin everything and ruin your marriage and stuff. So oh, and you know, I realized the other day. Uh, while I was doing, talking to myself, while I was talking to myself, like, I talk to myself a tremendous amount. So, so much. And what's really weird is when I talk to myself, I move my lips so people can tell I'm talking to myself, which is bonkers. I mean, not like this, where I'm talking to m the microphone, which is essentially talking to myself. I mean, like, I'm in the shower talking to myself. Uh, dude, I am in the car listening to podcasts where I have to pause the podcasts because I want to answer the question that they've asked the guest in a way, in my own way, as if it was me. This is how nuts I am, right? Like, I'm just constantly talking to myself. This is why I have to have podcasts in my ear at all times because my brain is going and I just, I'm like, and I just need something else in there other than me uh, to, to shut it down. Uh, oh, so getting back to Alex Borstein, she's got a, a show coming up on HBO. Uh, I don't know. I think it's probably going to come out in the fall. They only announced it, you know, like a couple of months ago, but I was thinking how awesome would it be? You know, because she's probably going to be up against a show like girls and being compared against a show like that. And, you know, people are going to be like, well, aren't you going to get naked? Because yeah, that other chick got naked. She gets naked every damn episode. What about you? I would have just said to her, look, just have some hardcore fucking. Just, I, it doesn't have to be you. It just needs to be somebody. Just start each episode with some hardcore fucking, and then everybody will be fine. They'll get their nudity fix. You know, because that's really why people are watching Game of Thrones, right? Like, yeah, it's a well-written show. We just started watching it here. But really, I mean, eh, fucking. We want to see nudity. We want to see fucking. That's why I stopped watching Entourage, because I was like, where's the fucking nudity? This is dumb. I don't care about Vinny Chase. I want to see some boobs. Boobs. Oh, 
Speaking of fucking, so I <laughs> I can't remember um, how I thought of this. Um, oh, I remember why. Because I was just thinking like, you know, the sex industry is usually the one that drives innovation, right? Like they're the ones who, you know, pushed streaming video. They, they push for all of these technologies because... You know, that's the one sure thing. Everybody wants to see nudity and sex and all that stuff. I'm actually enjoying this album a little bit. That's interesting. So uh, what I was thinking was the next big thing that someone's going to have to come up with is like uh, what they have in Star Trek The Next Generation, the holodeck. Because... I mean, that, where else are you going to go except, you know, being able to, like, touch and have sex with, you know, a, a, a being, you know, like a hologram with a force field around it. And then I thought, you know, how the original holodeck designer probably wasn't thinking about that. He was just kind of like, hey, cool, I made a holodeck. And then what if, like, there was a dude who actually, you know, was there to, like, test out the first holodeck? And he goes through the whole thing, and he's like, uh, okay, wow, that, that, uh, that scenery was <laughs> great. You know, you're right. Like, I, I sat on that rock, and it was like that rock was really there. But, um, uh, one question about the holodeck, um... How do you clean it? Well, um, you don't, you don't clean it. I mean, you know, none of this dirt was really here, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I know that. Um, but what if, say, for instance, uh, like a crew member on the ship was to uh, come in with um, like a drink or something and he spilled it on the floor? Like, how would you clean it? without, you know, damaging anything. Well, you wouldn't need to bring anything in because, you know, you can just create anything in here you want. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we're not... Okay, I'm just going to spell it out for you. Um, look, uh, 99% of what this place is going to get used for is hardcore fucking, right? Like, we are 400 crewmen on a ship... And let's be honest, we're mostly dudes, uh, and I've got a hundred dudes right now signed up in 15-minute increments that want to come in here and drop a load, right? Like, so do you have some sort of load atomizer where we can just zap the jizz as it comes out of their dicks? I mean... Look, it's gonna, this place is going to smell like cat piss and ass if we don't have some way of cleaning it. And I'm telling you, 400 dudes coming in in shifts, this place is going to be knee-deep in jizz if we don't have like a hose or a tube or a drain or something. Oh, yeah. Well, couldn't they wear condoms? Are you insane? Like, that's the whole point of the holodeck, is to fuck without ramifications, right? Like, sure, 
Some dude could go nail one of the other crew members, but he might get her pregnant. That might cause problems. I mean, that's why we built this whole dumb thing, so we didn't have to worry about fraternization between the crewmates. Well, I guess you could use a sponge. Damp sponge would be all right. Really? What about Febreze? Is that going to hurt anything? No, I think she'll be okay. All right. I'm taking your word on it. So what we're going to do, huh, we're going to need to, you know what? We're going to have to build another one of them food generators, except it's going to be just sponges. Can we just put one in the corner that just pumps out sponge, like maybe it shoots a sponge at the dude when he's done? Yeah, okay, we can do that too. Great. Okay, well, listen, um, bud, uh, uh, we have been spending about five minutes longer than I really wanted to talk to about this, and I've got a serious boner. So, I'll tell you what, I'm going to christen this place, um, but I really can't be, you can't be here. So, if you'll excuse me, I need some alone time. Uh, when do I get my alone time? Yeah, okay, all right, I'll tell you what. Since you've been such a good sport, and you built this whole nice thing, I'll let you watch. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, let's hope that uh, in the future, they'll, they'll have uh, the forethought to think of these things. Oh, I can't believe I, I put this off for so long. Let's talk about the job. For a second, I, I don't want to bum everybody out, um, but I, I hate my job more now than I used to. It's interesting. I hate it, but for totally different reasons. Now, it's always been a bit of a bummer because uh, I don't know if you remember, but when I took this job, I had said, uh, this is two years ago, I had said, it's gonna be weird because I don't have any crew, right? Like, um, my friends aren't gonna be there. I'm not gonna have anybody to eat lunch with. It's gonna be weird. And that's absolutely the case. It is so just super shitty that I have no one to eat lunch with. I don't have a group. I don't have, I mean, there are people I like eating lunch with, but, um, you know, they don't ever, like, say, like, I have to, like, sneak around and accidentally show up when they're eating lunch, or I have to accidentally, like, show up at the elevator when they're going out. And it's, I don't want to say it's, like, high school, because it's not. It's nothing intentional. It's just I'm not in their group, so they don't think to include me. And it's amazing how much it affects me, you know. Uh, if I Those days where I do eat lunch with them, it's fantastic. It's great. I hate my job less. But uh, it, it's, it's, it is such a weird dynamic because I don't want to be that guy who's like, uh, can I eat, could you, next time you're going to eat, could you let me know so I could eat with you guys? You know, and, and their schedules are all over the place. And it's, and it's really weird, too, because there are guys who always eat at the same time. And I could always eat with them, but I don't like them as much. So in that sense, it does become like high school because it's like, oh, it's, it's you. Oh, 
no, uh, I'll eat with you. And then there are those times, oh, this is the worst, where I'm eating with the, at the table. There's three tables in the break room. Uh, and I'm eating with the guys who I like okay, but then like the quote-unquote popular kids come and they sit at their own table just because maybe they, it's you know too crowded at the table that I'm at. And I'm just like, oh, I so want to abandon you guys. I so want to pull a can't buy me love and just ditch you guys and go over with the popular kids and eat with them. <sighs> it's so, and it just kills me. So I like every, you know, so I, God, I'm such an asshole. Like, because I'll be listening like to their conversation on the hopes that like, I, oh, maybe I could jump in or maybe I could comment on it or something. Oh, it's so awful. Um, but... The, the point is, and the reason why I named this, this show, episode, chapters, is because I just have to keep reminding myself. And this was something that um, when we did our Thanksgiving of Friends uh, latest meetup, that was the big thing that I, I presented was, you know, we all go through chapters in our lives. Some are good, some are bad, but... You know, it's, it is just a chapter and we can't get wrapped up in the feeling that it's always going to be this way because it's not. And I just have to keep reminding myself that this chapter with this job that I hate and, and just to part of the reason why I hate it is because um, they, uh, they, 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 the guy, like the guy who's the director of our group, he loves meetings, so we're in way too many meetings, and he wants me to like, he wants all of us to like record our time, and then they have this crazy system that they use that I don't really interact with, but they want me to learn it anyway, just in case, and I hate that fucking system, and it's just like... It's weird how it's not like it used to be where uh, the reason I hated my job is it was insanely stressful because you never knew like when is the next rush job going to come in and we never push back and all that stuff. All that's kind of gone away because we've got a lot more redundancy. We've got a lot of people who can help out and do things. So it's not that anymore, but yet it's a different kind of awful. And this kind of awful, I don't know if I would have seen coming. And what also sucks is they had for the longest time told me like, oh, you can transition into this other department. And I had always kind of been hoping that was the case, even though the longer time goes by, I kind of thought that wasn't going to happen. And then my manager, who is in Chicago, you know, uh, said, you know, had a one-on-one -on -one with me and he was like, yeah, you, if you want that to happen, you're really going to have to be aggressive about it. Like, there's no, like, you got to get in their face and be like, look, this is something I really want. What can I do? Basically, you have to, like, petition to do this. And I'm just like, how do I even do that? Like, I'm so bad at interviewing and I'm so bad at selling myself. Like, I'm not even sure what that is even means. So there's that. Um, but... Again, it's a chapter. I'm not going to be there forever. I'm actively trying to get out. In fact, I should be looking for a job right now or doing my taxes or both. Uh, oh, but finally, um, not, to, not to bum anybody out, but, uh, you know, I just like to keep you up to date. And I, and I, and I, and I think 
it's, it's I'm trying to be hopeful, right? Like I'm just trying to spread the word uh, to 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 the fact that that it's not always gonna be bad. So um, one of the things that I realized the other day uh, is, you know, Howard Stern screams a lot about how. Steve Jobs was a genius and he was brilliant and he had all these innovations. And again, when I talked about it when Steve Jobs died, the answer is no, he didn't. He never wrote any code, at least not in the last 20 years. And, you know, he would just tell people like, oh, I, I think you guys should do that. Eh, all right. And then they would do it and he would say, yeah, that's all right. But what what... What I really think his great contribution to Apple was, was pushing things back and saying, this isn't done yet. And never releasing anything until it's done. And when you look at, especially like the, the other great companies that do that, they all release, you know, you never have a product from them that's defective or you know it's it doesn't work right you know and you got game companies like blizzard who do that you've got um but you look at apple now and they're releasing all kinds of things that are just not done uh and everybody who works at a publicly traded company is always being told well, you have to have something by the end of the quarter. The end of the quarter. The end of the quarter. Well, the, the stockholders are gonna uh, freak out if you know we don't improve, blah blah blah, and growth and all this stuff. And it's like, yes, but you alienate your customer when you start pushing things live that's just not ready. And so the people who are the real leaders and innovators, and and you know what? Fuck the stock market. Who cares? Like. It'll come back. Don't worry about it. As long as you keep releasing good products, it'll come back. It'll be fine. But the real innovators are the ones who have the balls to be like, no, we're not releasing this. Like Ken Levine and Bioshock Infinite. That motherfucker got delayed by six months and no one has played that game saying, oh, I, I, don't, I don't see why they had to delay it. This thing's still got a bunch of problems. No, everybody who played it thought it was amazing. It sold over $100 million worth of product. Oh, all right. This is good. All right, this is what we're going to end on. So, uh... I, they just recently released Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea Part 2. It's the last of the DLC. And Ken Levine just announced uh, about a month before it came out that he was shutting down Irrational Games Studios. Irrational Studios? Irrational Games. Irrational Games. He was shutting it down. He basically sold it to Take-Two Entertainment. And he was going to go work over there, and he sold the intellectual property of Bioshock to 2K Games. And 2K did uh, a uh, Bioshock, they did Bioshock 2, and it's not good. Um, there were a couple of things that were neat, like you got to walk around underwater as a big daddy. That was kind of fun, but for the most part, it, it's not good. And so, basically what I am considering is that this is the end of the Bioshock franchise. I mean... You know, you've listened to this podcast, how much I love Bioshock, uh, that 
you know, it's weird. It's like this... You know, I, I didn't think we would get this much good Bioshock. Like, after the second installment, I thought they were done. And when they did Infinite, you know, it was like, you know, uh, betting with the house's money. We were living on borrowed time. This was something that wasn't supposed to happen, and it did. So I should be happy for that. And the latest Burial at Sea uh, DLC is amazing because it wraps the whole thing up. It does what How I Met Your Mother couldn't do, which is give you a satisfying ending to a great series. It is so good. So if you like Bioshock and you haven't played Infinite yet, go play it. But if you're gonna play it, absolutely get uh, Burial at Sea Part 1 and 2. I think one, even though one is really short, and it's not that good. Um, I think it's important because it sort of sets up Burial at Sea Part 2. So... That even though Bioshock is over and that chapter is closed, there's going to be a new one coming. And something else that's going to be good. Just around the corner. Hell, maybe even my game. Wait a minute, my game's not going to rival Bioshock. Who am I kidding? So from me, from Ken Levine, to the music of Bright Brown, let's do this one more time. Till then! Yeah.